Welcome to this very special Belgian Mall podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and returning from his very own mystery adventure, it's the Canadian whose Lucha Libre name would have to be Snoozing Saunders, Logan Saunders. Good morning. And I'm very excited to be able to say a massive dag Gilles to, let's be honest, the best mole host we've ever spoken to, Gilles da Costa. Hi guys, how are you doing? I'm so excited by this. In case anyone hasn't worked out from the past few podcasts since Gilles messaged us and basically said, do you want me to do anything? I've been absolutely giddy by the prospect of, of getting to interview you, basically. Well, that's nice to hear. Thanks for having me. Back at uh, the office, we're kind of amazed that people who speak English and who are from Canada and the UK are, uh, are actually following the series. That never happened to us or we didn't know about it. So we're as flabbergasted about that as you are, I guess. Yeah, it's like a very underground community online overall, I would say. It's a massive one. It's especially run through the website Bothers Bar, and Brig has sent in a few questions on that note, but there's a massive sort of English-speaking community for both the Dutch and the Belgian moles. That's great. I, I was I really genuinely wasn't aware of that before that uh, before someone told me that there was, or maybe one of you guys reach out on Twitter, I don't know how it happened, but we, did, we didn't know it. The thing I'm wondering is, who is the one that is um, doing the subtitles for you guys? Because we obviously don't do it. So I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, who, do, who who is doing that? I don't even know. It's someone very lovely who just uploads the English subtitles. And luckily for me, as I've mentioned in the past few weeks, I know enough German and French to kind of get by to watch the Dutch subs as necessary. But there's someone who does it for both the, for the Dutch season and there's someone who does it for, for Belgium as well. It's such a great resource for us because spoiling nothing i love both shows and they are some of the best shows on tv and i'm not just saying that because you're here i'm obsessed with both of them no well, well that's very nice to hear thank you very much we, you know we put a lot of effort in it and we a lot of thought and a lot of uh, somewhat absurd discussions me and my colleagues so it's very nice to hear that people uh, people like it yeah i'm so interested to hear how you guys plan these seasons because what on earth goes through your mind to start the season with a coffin escape room I think that basically was an idea that we've had or we had had for uh, some time because it's it's we we always want to have something that is uh, visually uh, uh, that people will remember afterwards, which in this case I think worked pretty well. I think we maybe wanted to do it last year, but then we had the idea of I don't know if you remember that putting all the contestants into cars surrounding a plane and then they had the first mindfuck of the game right before they were uh, airborne. And then we, we liked that idea. And then when, when we got settled on Mexico, we thought, yeah, you know what? Uh, Dia de los Muertos is huge in Mexico. They, that's, it's a real, it's a national holiday. They, they celebrate death. It's a very Catholic country as well. So it fitted to do it there. Um, and once you have that visual idea, the, the main challenge is to, to, uh, to imagine a game, in this case, an escape room around it. Uh, that is interesting to see and that is interesting to follow and that is fun to watch and and I'm glad to say that we it's it's one we spent a lot of time on uh, and and I'm I'm very glad that it worked out the way it did. Yeah. So how involved in the production actually are you? Uh, as much as I can. You know, uh, as, apart from the mole, I uh, I host a weekly football uh, program uh, about Belgian football, which is very sad, but. You know what? It's Belgian football, so there it is. So I have to say soccer for Logan. Logan, I think no. Yeah, I, I've been in South America the past few weeks, so I went to I went to my first Colombian so, uh, soccer football game, and that was. There's no sporting event like that in Canada, I will say. 
Oh, I, I guess so. That's a little bit crazy. So, so I got a, I got a, a host of other shows to do, uh, but mainly my main focus is on the mall. So I, I, I follow it very closely. I, uh, I participate in the brainstorms. We uh, we do some testing of the of the uh, uh, the, the uh, assignments as well beforehand, uh, in which I participate. Uh, I, I do write some of the uh, the screenplay. Uh, so I, I try to be as as involved as possible because I think it's it makes a better host out of you if you know everything by heart and everyone. Oh, I completely agree, because we've seen in other Mole franchises that the hosts get really involved in it. I mean, ages and ages ago, we had one in the UK, and the guy who hosts it now basically showruns a lot of quiz shows and stuff, and he was heavily involved in the production. I think it's it, it just makes you better, because you can react very swiftly to things that are changing uh, once you're uh, once you're shooting the, the thing. Also, we, we're... I mean, the amount of time we put in, in selecting the right candidates, the 10 people we want to take on this trip, it results in us knowing them by heart. You know, I see them for the first time. I know their kids' names, their pets' names, the, car, the kind of car they drive. So to me, it's important to be uh, as immersed as I can because I think it shows on, on television. There's just no denying that. Very true. And what do you think makes a good mole candidate? You know, I have, a, I have a very, very standard answer to that one. Um, to be a very a good mole candidate, the first thing, first thing we look at is, do we want to go on a trip with these guys? Is this someone we want to take a vacation with? Uh, so we have to have a good feeling, but you know, they have to, they have to post a, a, a little clip of themselves, which is the first thing we look at, at with every candidate. So that's the first thing we have to have the feeling that, yeah, I want to know this guy or, or this this uh, girl. And the second thing is, be as different from the nine others that we are going to select uh, as you can. And of course, that's something you cannot do. But in the end, we're looking for a very diverse group. Uh, so once we start selecting them uh, and we have, for instance, if we there, there are three, uh, I don't know, uh, engineers that we love, it's a little bit difficult because you, you cannot leave with three engineers because you want, you want them to be as diverse as, possi- as, diverse as possible. Uh, so it's it's not a, an exact science, but first of all, it's it, you know it's a gut thing mainly, and then afterwards, when we're almost done, you have to have preferably five men, five women, if it's possible, coming from each of the five provinces we have in Belgium, uh, in Flanders, I mean. Other than that, anything's possible. So uh, yeah, it's it's a difficult answer to give, but I feel that for you know in my case, a third time in a row, we've managed to have a group of people. You want to go on a trip with these people. They're fun. They're nice. Uh, they are reasonably smart, uh, reasonably good looking, and they make a nice bunch to watch. I think you've hit the nail on the head there because in the first episode, we said basically that this is one of the oldest average ages on any show worldwide ever. 37.7, I think it was. And since then, we've only found one show that has an older age. Which is? Uh, American Celebrity Big Brother earlier this year apparently had a, an average age of about 39 but it's ridiculous for us to basically cover a show with that old an age generally and the casting has been spot on you guys have done such a fantastic job on the casting because I don't think there's been a single weak link in any of the three years that you've done it I'm going to be brutally honest I don't think there's been a single weak link everyone has played a part and that's amazing uh, yeah and you know what it's it's a guess of course it's a wild hunch because you never know if it's going to work out but back to the age that's that's the thing that's it's interesting that you mentioned that because a lot of tv uh be it reality wise or anything else is made by and largely for young audiences which is of course not the key demographic that we're having in western europe 
where a lot of people are older than 40. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that a lot of TV shows are made with celebrities. And The Mole is one of the last ones here in Belgium uh, that is available and open to everyone, which to me is very important because I, I prefer doing it with, you know, people that are unknown, uh, just regular citizens uh, as opposed to celebrities, which is not to say that we might never do a celebrity edition, but I'm very glad that we haven't done it already, that, that we stayed with the unknown uh, uh, characters. Have you ever seen any of the Dutch seasons, just out of interest? Uh, yeah, I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the last one. I, th- I think they have just finished their, what is it, 18th? Yeah, they've just finished 18. I think that was the best one in oh. 10 years. I was devastated at the time because... I'd been badgering these guys to watch Belgian Mole with me because I've watched all all three years as they've come out, basically. I was devastated we couldn't cover that Dutch season because it was amazing. It was one of the best scenes I've ever seen. I was wrong, by the way, so I'm I'm not a good mole hunter. (laughs) It's so frustrating for me because the website I mentioned earlier, Bothers Bar, where a lot of us nerds come together, basically, to talk about the various foreign versions of the mole. They run a suspect list every year. And I've notoriously gone either really well on it or really, really badly. The first year I did it, I got about three points out of 100. It was terrible, to the (laughs) point where I lost by one point a couple of years ago. But I put Jan in the first week. I was on to him on the first week, and then I got convinced it wasn't him. I was so annoyed at myself. So you lost him? Oh, no. I lost purely because of that, because I would have got a clean sweep on it. I was so annoyed. I I can understand that. I thought it was Olche, but... To to let you, I mean, this is a side of it you're not going to or you're not able to experience, but knowing everything that happened and then seeing the reactions and people uh, telling me after day one, it's this or this or this or this guy with a, a, a so assured of themselves, that is that is maybe the hardest part not to start laughing at them because it's so nice and people, they text me and I screenshot it, of course, every time to, to trade back in their faces <laughs> when their, their suspect leaves the show. That's the nice thing. It's, it's, Everyone plays and it's it's such it done is in in a good spirited way which is very lovely and to, to us it's you know it's it's a god's gift because we know everything so we can laugh at I bet you had so much fun with me being assured it was Steve from week one and then of like week five for God's sake it's not him <laughs> you know it's I I'm I am pleased with everyone and there is something that uh, I think it's a term that comes out of Holland they call it tunnel visi which yeah. is you're in a tunnel. And you're and once you're in a tunnel, and I can understand that very easily because every candidate always does something sooner or later that will appear uh, suspicious. So once you're in a tunnel, everything points to that candidate. I understand that, we, and I, you know that phenomenon is my friend because I love it when people are completely obsessed with one candidate, and then this candidate turns out to get the red screen and, and exits the show a couple of days later. Or uh, Bertrand from last season, where he's focused on it not being one person. That was amazing. You probably could have executed him like three or four times in a row, and he still wouldn't have uh, you know, uh, picked them all. When we were shooting that, so the, I think in episode three, we had this very special elimination round where they had to guess who the uh, uh, the candidate was. Uh, and then uh, it was Bertrand, and he managed to uh to uh save himself and we thought all right so now he's going to you know change suspects he didn't so the next elimination he was dead last again so and we had to wait for like three months to throw it in his face like what 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 just explain yourself that's that's tunnel he was convinced i think he was on to davy which later was the winner of the series 
and uh, and he thought you know everyone has figured out it's Davy. I just had the least uh, questions cor uh, answered correctly, which is impossible that early in the game that everyone has figured out correctly who the mole is but of course he didn't know that uh so that was a very fun uh, fun episode yeah i have to admit i was on to davy that season and i was shocked when it was a lean <laughs> yeah a lot of people were a lot of people were although the uh the uh the elder lady annalise was the prime suspect last year i love annalise yeah i too. love the older slightly dopey characters i just have a soft spot for people like annalise i really do i do too you know she's cool because she just she she uh like the the uh the assignment with the diving bell i know a lot of people who wouldn't just go near anything that and she just did it she didn't do it very well but she did the uh mole hunting part very well because she was onto a lean from very short very early uh in the very early stages of the of the show so I love to have people that are 60, like Steve this year and Annalise last year, and then people like that are 21, like Lloyd this year or Booba last year, he was 19. That's that's a nice thing to see these people getting along, uh, even though sometimes they're uh, a third of each one's age. How many people applied for this season? Just out of interest, do you know? No, I know the exact uh, figure. It's 10,131. Wow. Which, wow. Yeah, which is a lot because you have to... Uh, uh, you know, it's Flanders, so that's uh, we have a, a total uh, population of, I think, like 6 million, uh, of which probably 3 million are potential candidates. And uh, the thing we ask when, you're, when you submit your, your uh, candidacy is like, it's uh, a lot of questions, meaning you're probably like typing for an hour on the computer to just answer this question. Then you have to... Uh, pull out some pictures and make a clip of yourself. So you, it's asking a lot. It's just not putting your name in a ballot and waiting for the result. So 10,000, it's a huge number because last year it was 6,000. The first year it was uh, 3,000. So uh, it basically it grows every, every year, which we take as a huge compliment. I know from experience, because I've done a couple of quiz shows, and the last one that I applied to was 100,000 people who applied. That's amazing. Which was a ridiculously large amount of people. So I know yeah. the sort of applications that you're talking about with it being a lot of questions. And even when you get through the auditions, it's more questions than that. And it just keeps Absolutely. rolling on. And the thing is, it, it to us, it's a lot of work because you need to be honest. So every uh, contestant, everyone that puts in their name has to be, we, we, we need to see every clip because you, that's, the people deserve that. If, if they, they, uh, they want to uh, participate in the mall and they go through the emotions of, you know, an hour of, Question answering, like, uh, what is your faith? Uh, are you sexually active? It's questions like that. So it's, it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty uh, uh, immersive. And uh, so we, we, we go through every one of them. So that's a, a huge lot of work. Um, but we, we feel we have to do it because if they do it, then we have to as well. Yeah, I, I would not envy the position of having to go through over 10,000 applications to find the potential gold nuggets. But it certainly makes a great cast. You guys have done so well with it. Thank you. There's not a lot more I can say about that than I, I do not know how you guys do it spot on every year. There is no secret. It's a lot of effort because, you know, the 10,000, I think 150 of them are invited to do a first interview, which lasts for an hour, and that is taped. So every one of us watches almost every single minute of these, uh, these interviews like 30 or 40 they come back i think two or three times and each uh, each time it's a one hour conversation that you have to watch and get through and then there's endless debate uh, with the other editors as to who we will pick and and as i mentioned it's not an exact science but the only thing we can do is put a lot of work in it and hope that we have 
the right group, and up until now, it worked every time. It's utterly gobsmacking how how awesome these seasons are, basically, to, to us, especially with the language barrier as well. Because regardless of the fact that we do still get the English subs on it, it still takes a lot of attention for us. So it's well worth the effort for us to, to watch it. It's, it's just utterly gobsmacking how good these seasons are. Well, thanks. I mean, I really appreciate that because you're, you, it's, as you mentioned, it's, it has to be harder for you guys because a lot of the subtleties or, or, or little fun facts that are maybe based on local popular culture um, are not meant for you. So, so it's nice that you still get to enjoy it. Oh, do you have a trivia question about STDs as one of the things? <laughs> That's not something I expected to learn about Belgian culture while watching your guys' show. Well, you know, it's it's one of the things, you need, you need 15 questions, so you might as well try to make them not too easy, not too hard, but uh, fun. It, this is something we knew would, would bring some laughs uh, to the table, or to the tequila table in that, uh, in that instance. And so we uh, we double-checked it. I don't know how we double-checked it. <laughs> I suppose one of my colleagues called some 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 statistic bureaus or maybe in a, a hospital. But it, it checked out. And uh, the fun fact was that that Lloyd is a a, a student uh, in medicine. Uh, got to answer that question. We didn't know that, of course, beforehand where he was going to be, or the other, uh, or Steve, who is a doctor. We didn't know where they were going to be at that assignment. So. We try to, you know, uh, for us, uh, humor is as important as all the rest. You, you have to have a good time watching it, and you need to be able to laugh at everything um, because it's it's often it's very funny. It's it's uh, situational humor, but it's 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 the little things. So we try to uh, to include them in in every part of the game. Honestly, I think it is something that you can see running straight through Belgium. All is the fact that. You have such straight-laced things like you standing in the middle of the Mexican desert, and then you just pan to them being in coffins, and it's like, how the hell did they come up with this? Like, where, what, what sort of person comes up with this? Yeah, well, basically, a person who's sleep deprived or uh, who has had a little too much to drink. I don't know. It's like I told you, we have the assignment, and then you start thinking of it. Okay, so it's the first assignment, so we need to get a cool drone shot. Uh, you need to have ten graves, and then of course I'm talking to them via intercom. But it's 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 absurd to be talking to to ten graves. But it's it's a little bit funny as well, and it's it's just it it fits the mole uh, tradition perfectly, which is why we did it. I genuinely don't know how you keep a straight face for everything. You know, at that at that point. This is the start of a huge game, and for these 10 contestants, it's, it's something they've been looking forward to for a couple of years. Behind me, there's like, I don't know, a crew of 30, 35 men watching me. So if I fuck up, well, that, you know, that helps not to, uh, to, uh, to start laughing. And sometimes, of course, things go wrong or, or, or I need to repeat myself because I, I made a mistake. But I'm pretty good at when it matters not making mistakes because the game demands it. Um, uh, it you have to, to keep that mysticism a little bit alive, even though it, it might look absurd to be, you know, speaking to, uh, to 10 graves, but equally absurd is to be sat at a table with a laptop and then typing names and, and giving people a red or green screens. It's when you think of it, it's absurd, but it, it's, it's just, that's the game and everyone loves it because it has such, it carries such weight uh so so um but the important thing is to to you know for us to uh to keep the a balance between uh good nature ship and 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 uh, a positive um fun spirit 
and a very, um, I should say this, uh, it has to be a thriller as well. You know, you have to be on edge when, when you watch it. And that's a very unique combination. And, and it's not easy to achieve, but again, hard work and, and then you get there. Yeah. And Nick Gates, aka Brig, wants to know, why do you think the mole works in Belgium and the Netherlands and doesn't seem to work anywhere else? Is it uh, the production or is it sort of more of a national character thing? It's probably the production, and I, and I don't mean this in a very very arrogant way because because I haven't watched all of the international moles, but there have been a couple that have been too hastily put together. And the thing is, it's I don't believe it's very local because it, this is a who done it. This is like a, an Agatha Christie novel where you have to find who was the culprit. So that's a universal thing in in pretty much a lot of TV series as well. Uh, so I don't believe that just that works in Holland and Belgium, no. So it has to be the the care with in, with which it's put together and, and which which everything is you know thought through. I completely agree. I would answer exactly the same in that we had a revival of the Australian one a few years ago and it just didn't work because they looked at Dutch Mole and went, I think we know what we're doing, but we're not 100%. And it kind of was a bit half-arsed. Yeah. I think I know the season you're referring to, and and you know a lot of reality shows are very hastily put together. It, it, it's a, it's a given, and you cannot just expect ten people to be brought in a country they don't know, then give them some crazy assignments, and then hope for the best. It doesn't work that way. It has to be meticulous, and I, I think that season particularly was was not very good. So uh, so and 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 it's a pity because the, the the format deserves much better than that. Yeah, you can tell the love and attention that goes into Belgian and Dutch models. It's astonishing well thanks thanks is there a particular type of assignment you enjoy watching we had that question from tony quark on reddit yeah you know the meet the mole uh is something uh, i always look forward to because uh it's it's becoming challenging to imagine new uh new meet the mole type assignment so you know what i'm talking about right like oh yes a... it's my favorite type of challenge so i'm i'm like silently just pumping my, my fists in the air right now <laughs> Because it's it's very it's very simple and it's very pure and it's it demands um, it to me to me it makes the mole and by which I mean the person it makes uh, him or her bigger because they have to perform at a level that you maybe haven't seen them perform up until then so it's hard uh, you don't get to be the mole by just sabotaging things behind you know when the camera is not rolling no you have to be on edge every so that's to me is it's it sums it up. Other than that, um, it's very difficult to say beforehand because every season, uh, my favorite assignment is something I didn't expect. Like, for instance, this season, I have uh, absolutely loved the, the cinema assignments where they were with their family in the cars and they had to answer questions. That was so fun to watch. That was incredibly funny. And it worked incredibly well. And again, it was pretty straightforward. Answer questions. When you get it right, you get the choice if you leave or not. Uh, and it worked beautifully, and and that's that's you know I, sometimes everything comes together, and and uh, so I would say meet the mole, and for this year, yeah, that assignment. Cinema pub quiz chicken is how I heard that described. That pretty much is accurate. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a great description for it. I do not envy the person who has to uh, spell Matthew McConaughey's last name when they think his name is is uh, Matthew McConaughey. I think Peter was doomed from the start with that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was actually a question I came up with because um, there. First of all, there's a debate how you pronounce his name. For us non-English native speakers, we would say McConaughey, or but apparently it's McConaughey. When you hear that, then you know okay, there's no way 
knowing for sure how it's written down. So that's how that question was born. And uh, well, yeah, they got it wrong. Yeah, in the end. I've got to ask: Was the parking ticket that Peter and Jasper got at the end a setup, or was it actually genuine? <laughs> that was genuine. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was genuine. The cinema is a parking lot uh, uh, in the daytime because otherwise it would be just you know empty and and not making any money. So. They were, I think Peter and Jasper, his brother, weren't even awake as cars uh, were, were uh, piling up uh, to every uh, every side of them. So the guy just came and gave them a ticket like, oh, I forgot to book these guys. Uh, but at, it was okay. Might, might have cost us, I don't know, two euros, which is like three dollars. So it was okay. <laughs> Did that come out of the pot or out of production? No, the production. Yeah, no. We don't punish our candidates for thing for thing like that. You know, they were. You know, the group was pretty much, uh, pretty much good at taking money out of the pot themselves. So we didn't have to do that for them. Yeah, I wasn't intending on starting to count how much money they had actually lost, but it's. I, I think the maximum pot as of the end of episode seven was ninety four thousand two hundred and fifty. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Which is an insane amount of money for them to have lost when they're playing currently for 24k. It's, it's you know, uh, uh, it's every year it's the same. It's a, a little bit over 100,000 when you when you take all eight episodes in total. And it's always a little bit the same. And, I, and it's not something that we mathematically try to engineer that we know. I would love it if one year they had 40 and then the year after, well, 22. Uh, because it's not, it's this is not an indicator as to how good your mole is. Nothing to do with that. But uh, but it's it's amazing how much money they lose, of course. But you have to keep in mind the assignments aren't always easy. Uh, and like the the Wheel of Fortune one, of course, the maximum amount that you can win with that is a very theoretical one because you would have to hit 200 euros with each turn of the wheel and then have a, a right letter. So it's it's not as black and white as you might think, but Basically, they lose a hell of a lot of money, yeah. <laughs> How much guidance is the mole given? Are they sat down and told all the assignments, or is it sort of a, you're on your own from here, have fun? No. Uh, like, uh, I'm, I will answer this question um, in regards of the two previous yeah. series. Uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to trick you up with that question, by no, the way. No, no, it's not true. Basically, it's the same, you know, it's the same what this season. So, I mean, I'm answering for all three seasons. No, the mole knows every assignment. Uh, and is briefed beforehand multiple times at the secret location uh, in which I have to arrive very uh, carefully because if someone sees me go in a building with my f- uh, famous uh, Flemish head uh, face and then afterwards sees uh, some guy entering it or some woman. So I, we, we're very, very secretive about that. But, you yeah, know, he gets uh, like Jill got a briefing, I think, five or six times before we lo- before we left. Elin maybe the same and then every night we uh, recap what's going to be happening the day after because sometimes these, these things change you know an assignment can change between the last briefing and when we're there because the location has changed or whatever so there might be might be a couple of changes um, but you'll get to see that in the uh, the last episode as well where we uh, will explain how that works yeah because each franchise does it slightly differently so I, I sort of wanted to to work out how you guys did it you know what always amazes me is the Dutch mole in which they uh, they do the uh, the mole reveal in a live show yeah. uh, in Amsterdam, and uh, and finally the mole just has to step forward, basically literally stepping forward, which to me is I prefer the way we're doing it when we get to make a whole you know show with special effects and a, and a very and, and some ominous music and 
I think that's a little bit more cinematic uh, to be to be to be doing the reveal, which, by the way, will be this Sunday because as, uh, I've seen some online chatter as to people who would think that we would um, maybe doing it only the week afterward as a surprise. It's not the case. So two day, two more days, and then the identity of the mole will be known. That was going to be a question because we were going back and forth on this week's recap about whether you guys were going to do keeping the reveal uh, till till the reunion. Yeah, I know. I heard that. It will be in traditional fashion. It's it has been taped in Mexico. It will be aired, uh, you know, Sunday evening. I was this close to going to the live finale in Amsterdam this year, but annoyingly, I wouldn't have been able to get the time off work because I was off the week after. I was I was yeah. so close because it was a great season. Well, maybe you know you should you should we we always do it in a cinema event where uh, where people can uh, can watch the grand finale in three separate uh, uh, cinema. Uh, um, I can't find the word. Screens. Screens, that's it. Three different screens. And it's people, basically, these are people that have been hunting the mole, a bit like on the forum you mentioned. Uh, if they're on to someone and they answer a final uh, question list about uh, 20 questions about their mole correctly, they get invited. So it's like 500 people in each screen. And then there's a couple of VIP, uh, VIP and guest, uh, uh, guest screens as well. So it's a huge event with like Maybe last year we were 2,000 people and we had an after party afterwards. And that's very nice. So if you try to have some time of work, maybe not this Sunday, that's a little bit close for you. But next year, uh, drop me a line and I'll, I'll uh, put you on the list. Oh, I will hold you to that. I yeah. promise you I will hold you to that because that would be amazing. Yeah, it's nice. You get to meet all of the candidates. Of course, the, the, everyone's there and there's a, it's nice. It's a, to us as well. It's a genuinely fine way of, of closing the show because you get to meet everyone who's been so enthusiastic about it, and everyone has been tweeting and 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 uh, writing things, and and it's nice. There's a vibe. There's a very positive vibe of all people. All everyone's very enthusiastic about about the finale. So it's nice. It's a, it's a fun evening. Have you started planning for next year yet? Or yes, we have. Yes, As a matter of fact, we have. Yeah. Because, we, yeah, we've been airing a little bit later this year than we have the two previous years. Um, so we have a little team that has started uh, writing up some assignments and uh, researching some countries. And I think we'll be deciding on the country we will be leaving to, like, next week or something. And then, Is Canada on that shortlist? I, I can't answer that, Logan. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no way. If Canada or the UK are on the shortlist, let us know off air so that we can just accidentally stumble across the production that's all we're saying accidentally of course yeah <laughs> yeah i wouldn't even recognize you guys so you could do it yeah, i wouldn't even know about it so uh oh you'd hear me coming trust me <laughs> are there any locations that you guys have thought about previously where you like abandoned them uh, there is one that you can actually say this is no you know last year we uh, we were um debating south africa yeah which is a, a fine country but has been visited a lot of times on a lot of tv show with shouldn't be a concern but we thought about it the other country was oman Ooh. in the middle east oh, yeah. but and it was very nice and we were very excited about it the problem was in oman you can you, you cannot change scenery it's always a little bit of a little bit the same and we need to change scenery like every two three other episodes you need to be in mexico city you need to be in san miguel you need to be like we are now in veracruz to just have some change of, of air and some some fresh some fresh air in the show so that's why we didn't do it not because it wasn't nice, but a little bit too monotonous. Yeah, I, I completely understand. Because even when Dutch Mole did a very similar one, they did Jordan, but they did Northern Ireland first. Yeah, that was amazing. That must have been a logistical nightmare to do that. But 
but uh, I, I, I can I can see the reasons why they did that. Would you ever consider doing something similar to what Dutch Mall has done in the past of having a boat trip between countries? Yes. Uh, well, you know, every year there's a debate of do we try to fly the candidates from one place to another in the country uh, itself. Like in Argentina, we did it. This year we did it. Last year we did it. But it's always... We have a truck with all the equipment that has to follow and, you know, you can fly the crew and the cast out. That's not a big issue uh, apart from money. But the, uh, the, the, you know, the equipment needs to get there as well. So you lose a day or maybe a day and a half, which we don't have because we're on a very tight schedule. So I don't think that's very, very easy to do. I was, however, very, very charmed by what the Dutch did this year by beginning in five different cities and not telling anyone about it i thought that was stroke of genius that is the single most shocking thing i've ever seen on tv i was my jaw literally dropped when they revealed that we're not in care friend i'm like are you kidding me what yeah and that's you know that's that's basically what you you want to have that moment at least once every season when you are you are being uh uh, misled by by the crew and I, I i i for one i adore that because i, I think well well done guys i didn't see that one coming and it makes it so much more fun to watch i just do not know how i did not spot it because i knew where they were gonna be <laughs> it's it just didn't twig because it was just such an engrossing episode it was it was very 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 good first episode very good first assignment because you know to, uh, we were talking about it a little while back but for the, the 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 first assignment there are a couple of things that you need to know uh, we have to uh, introduce 10 people that no one knows. So that's a very, very difficult thing to do. You cannot introduce them 10 at a time, which is why last year they were all separate in their separate cars, which is why they were in two coffins next to each other this year so that you can, because as a viewer, you have to have the time to uh, to get to know these people. Uh, so uh, in this case, again, I thought it was very good first assignment in Holland because they were in different cities in smaller groups, which was brilliant yeah and especially when you have the the nerds around the world who are watching it with subtitles we don't know who any of these celebrities are at all i mean i don't know who these celebrities are as well you know after 18 season of course i mean the a-listers are pretty much run through i guess so of course you get to the national uh hockey captain and and stuff like that and that's okay that's okay i don't i don't mind that but if you get there then why don't you do it with you know just regular not famous uh, uh, people, which I still think would be nicer. I've always said that The Mole is the one show that I would ever actually want to do. I would never want to do any of the other shows we cover, but I would love to do The Mole because I just think I would have an absolute blast. It just looks so fun. Well, you need to think very carefully about that because we do fuck with your mind. I know, but you fuck with my mind even when I'm watching, so I might as well be there. Yeah, that's true. You get a fun (laughs) out of it. That's true. Well, what, what we don't show is that there's a whole lot of waiting, as you know, as as every TV set around the globe, uh, they get there to holding points uh, in the morning and they have to wait like for a couple of hours because we're not ready or there's a camera that doesn't work. or So there's a lot of waiting as well involved. But strangely, everyone, every contestant seems to forget that once they're back, they just, you know, they just cling to the, the nice things. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just a weird example of a show that everyone who watches it goes, I'm not sure I would be very good at this, but I could have a lot of fun on this. And and I'm glad they do, because the fun is the main reason we want to, people to partake in it. It's, it's nice because we want them to have the time of their lives. And, you know, uh, I've had 30, well, 31, because last year there were 11 of them. 
each single one of them has told me afterwards this has been the experience of a lifetime, which is pretty much the nicest compliment you can give us. I'm not sure Steve enjoyed it too much when he had to ride the roller coaster so many times, but other than that... He did. He, he laughed himself crippled with it. He thought it was, it was hilarious, and his wife as well, but they were hilarious Jew as well. I mean, no, he, was, he, he knew it. Uh, of course, no, he didn't know that the Chimera was going to be a roller coaster, but I think pretty much anyone, after going 15 times on a roller coaster and maybe a little bit of a dingy one at that, uh, could get sick very, very... But he was the first one to, uh, to laugh with himself afterwards. Steve was probably my favourite this season purely because I was onto him as a mole for yeah. so long anyway. So I was just watching him so closely. And he's just bumbling his way through. He is, like, yeah. Like him not knowing any music after about 1960 was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> him yeah. puking his guts upon the roller coaster was hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, you know, again, we, we couldn't know that Steve was going to be the one to have to guess Harry Styles and Miley Cyrus. And I, <laughs> I can see why that's difficult to him. I can see it, but you know that's just—it's part of the game. It's just you know you're going to be confronted with some some difficult tasks, some some tasks that are maybe aimed at a younger audience. Some that's just part of the game. But he uh, he adored being there, and uh, he told us while leaving that he was very very happy to have uh, to have done it. He just tickled me so much. It was—he was just in the background, just messing everything up accidentally. It was just delightful. <laughs> well, he and the first one that. Uh, went home, Kelly, in the first episode. Those two, I mean, we didn't show it because it's unusable, but there's a lot of times that I talk to them and that they just interrupt me by saying something witty or just asking a question where we say, yeah, wait with the question. We just have to have this kind on camera. So I, I have had to stop talking a lot because of that. But that's nice. You know, Steve, to, to sum him up, and maybe that's the best way to sum him up, and I, I'm... The moment he leaves the group, you know, I walk him to the car. The last thing he does is look straight at the camera and start to thank the crew and the cameraman. And the, and he knows, he knows perfectly well that we're not going to be able to use that because no one knows the crew and the cameraman and the, and the, the sound guys. But he, he still does it because he, in his moment, he genuinely wants to thank everyone. So, we had to, okay, Steve, we're going to start that again because you cannot watch... You cannot look into the camera. You should know this after two weeks, but all right, let's start over. <laughs> yeah. And I guess it, as time goes by, it gets harder and harder for you to say goodbye to them, never mind each other. Yeah, of course. Of course. But, you know, the, the best, the best, uh, I mean, all of the candidates still have my cell number, all of which I, I sometimes see and we get together for drinks. And we, of course, you, 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 there's a bond that's being created between them and, and you know, my crew and, and me. It's, of course it is, because it's a very, very intense experience that you share with them. And again, they're nice people. So I want to, you know, I cannot wait to see them tomorrow. We're shooting the reunion and I cannot wait to see them, see them all again. It's going to be a, a brilliant moment. Yeah. Nick wants to know how much time you spend on a daily basis with them. I guess it depends on the day, but. Oh, it depends on the day. Yeah. Uh, to me, I think, I think where we maybe have like dropped it a little this year, I haven't had much, uh, much chance, you know, to sleep in the same hotel and to have breakfast with him or dinner or whatever. Um, so this year it might have been a little less, but last year when if, if I sleep in the same hotel, which is not always the case, then we have breakfast together. We uh, then we drive to the location, which can sometimes take a couple of hours, and then basically it's the rest of the day that we spend together. And when there's a uh, an elimination, it's uh, uh, most of the night as well. So you really do get to know them, yeah. You mentioned earlier that you love to have a go at some of the challenges pre-season. Is the one that you've not wanted to have a go at? 
Yeah, the, um, you know what, the, the cliffhanger one, the propel. Uh, uh, a couple of years back when I was still a, uh, well, a, a lot of years back actually, I was in Boy Scouting and, and, and I did that kind of thing all the time because I loved it. But I don't know, for some reason I am very um, uh, distrustful of cables snapping at my weight. So I don't want to hang from a cable. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely afraid of that. Two years back I did the, uh, the bridge assignment, you know, where they hung on a bridge and you had to, to cut yourself loose and then fall into the water. Yeah, I wasn't too keen on that either but they they you know they badgered me to do it because we needed it for the last episode um but i spent a couple of uh, laps on the roof of the car i did that just to try to try it out it was fun um but they, uh, you know the the very dangerous uh daredevil ones i prefer to let other people try them out did you ever get to try out the get really drunk then try to uh, do a museum uh, heist? <laughs> no, that's, that's one of the few ones we didn't get to try it because no museum was foolish enough to let us in. <laughs> uh, but we haven't, We uh, I don't think we have told that museum in Cape Town that, you know, oh yeah, they're going to be drunk. No, that's something we didn't tell them. So no, but I did, I did, and, and this is something I have never told anyone before uh, outside of my colleagues. Just before they, they get to that assignment, you see me have some drinks with them. But these drinks, actually, there were a lot of them. So I was kind of drunk myself when I gave them the assignment. Which <laughs> I think no one has ever noticed. But it, it, yeah, it was a little bit. I was a little bit drunk. Yeah, not too much. Just, you know, enough to be to be uh, or not drunk enough not to be able to work anymore. But a little bit too much. Yeah. Hands down, I've described that as my favourite episode of reality TV ever because it is yeah. so funny. It's just unintentional humour all the way through with the yeah. drunk museum heist and the ostrich game, which is one of the most brutal things anyone could ever do. Yeah, I think the ostrich game is the episode after that. I don't know, but these two were two of my favourite epi- uh, uh, assignments last year as well because it's you laugh yourself all the way through it. It's It's so fun and it's, again, so absurd to be doing a huge Scrabble game against two other contestants while the other are chasing ostriches. It's, it's, I know, I, sometimes I, even I don't know how we come up with that. Did anyone get injured by the ostriches? No, 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 no one. They were afraid and the ostriches were very nice. Uh, sometimes they ran after you, but they quickly got tired of that. No, no one got uh, injured, luckily. I love that challenge just because you got the chance to curb stomp everyone as well. Oh, yeah, but, they, you know, they were... They were genuinely terrible because I was debating beforehand with the crew. You know, what, what should I do? Should I beat them? Should I? And everyone said, no, you have to try your best and they have to try your best. We'll see how much they come up with. But they were just leaving these huge, huge, huge gaps. And I couldn't do anything else than just, you know, fill in the gaps and take their points away. And it was so fun to look at their faces while I was trashing them because, to be honest, it was a bit of a trashing. But, you know, we uh, we had a big laugh uh, at that afterwards as well. It's just such a fun challenge because you don't tend to get to see the host be able to get not just involved with the game but actively stop them winning money. <laughs> yeah, well that might have been just maybe that's not really the role I have to play but I was I, I, I it was brilliant for me to be involved. Yeah, I, I loved it absolutely. I watched that episode last year just going how on earth was this conceived and also this is just awesome television. <laughs> It is, and I don't really remember how it was conceived. I do remember, though, that one of the uh, first versions of that uh, task was 
that the Scrabble board would be uh, outside of the maze and that the contestants would have to uh, build some, some sort of catapult to uh, fly the eggs over the hedge to the other ones, which then would have to, who then would have to catch the eggs with not breaking them. But that managed to be um, impossible and also very, very dangerous and potentially very harmful. So we had to drop that. But it, it's, it's kind of, it, it kind of gives you a little insight into what our minds sometimes produce. Yeah. When you're conceiving the challenges, do you think about them just generically before you think of the location, or do you try and tailor them as much as you can? Uh, both of them. Uh, again, that depends. But we, we, we want to tailor them as much as we can to the country that is hosting the show that year. Um, there is, and especially this year, this has uh, worked out very well. This series could have been shot uh, only in Mexico, I think, because it's it's the vibe is there, the colors are there, the food is there, the music is there, the culture is there. And that's very important to us. Also, it gives us inspiration. Uh, it gives us a lot of inspiration. Uh, if we were to do a Canadian show, I can assure you that we will have some uh, ice hockey in it because it's such a huge thing in Canada. So we, we try to think that way without being too cliche. But it, gen- to us, ice hockey is pretty much unknown. So it gives us a whole lot of possibilities. Imagine a game around it. The weird thing for us is that Logan hates ice hockey and I love it. Yeah. I went to an NHL game when I was in Canada last year and Logan, cool. Logan really hates it. He prefers baseball. Yeah. We might do something with moves then. I don't know. It's a, you know, you try to, you really try to make the country alive. Did you guys ever consider doing a Dia de las Muertas um, themed reveal this year with it being Mexico? Well, how, what do you mean? I just uh, like have it have it be actually as part of a festival, and then have them all like take the mask off, like like in the preseason ads with the yeah, yeah, Have your yeah. Mega missed. The, the the problem with that is that it's, it's hugely expensive and very much an unknown for us because we have to shoot the final on a very specific day because afterwards, you know, the day after our tickets are booked back to Europe. So it's it, it, you have to be sure that you can shoot it. But the idea of a festival, which are very uh, huge in Mexico, uh, was there from the very beginning. And, and that's why we did that, that threefold uh, assignment in episode three where they have to uh, participate in the, the preparations of a a little uh, town uh, party or town festival. Uh, you, you know which one I'm talking about with the piñata sombreros? That was actually genuine in La Valenciana. The, the, the little town was there to, to, have, uh, to have a festive night and we, we took advantage of that um, because it's such a huge thing in Mexico. But to be doing the final on something like that, I think there would be too much unknown uh, variables uh, with which we cannot work because we have to be... Uh, you know, we have to fly back the day afterwards. See if anything goes wrong, then we'll we're fucked basically. So yeah, I, I I think it's more of a sort of Dutch style reveal anyway. Waiting until until the end and having them yeah. take the mask off. Yeah. But yeah. I, I just thought it might be a cool thing when when oh, I was we, watching the ads preseason. No, we did find a very cool location to the final, which we you will see Sunday. Yeah, kind of a bull ring. I don't know if it's only it's only bulls. I don't know exactly, but it's very cool. It's very nicely lit up at night. Uh, and it's it's still very much Mexico, so I think we we uh, we pulled that through as well. Yeah, I'm I'm always intrigued by reveal locations. I'm not going to lie; it always intrigues me how you guys do it. Well, the, I, I, I imagine the key is to light it correctly, because you know in Argentina we just were in a you know in a meadow in a field, and uh, and um, and the three contestants were in uh, were under trees, which were miles apart. No one knows that, but there it was a lot of walking that day or that night. Um, and then the year uh, last year we did it in uh, inside a game reserve on a little picnic area. 
but we we lit it in such a way that it still had some kind of of cool uh, mystic location vibe about it. And and I think this year we managed that as well. Is there a system that you guys have changed since the final three that you guys had in Argentina, where there was the double tie at the end of the season? Was that a bit of a let's try to figure out how to avoid the situation again in the future? No, we just have to be prepared for it. Uh, sometimes you will have a tie and sometimes you will not. And uh, if you have a tie, you have to be prepared for it. And not a lot of people know that, but every assignment, which is one of the things I do, gets written out uh, and all the, the regulations get written out because it has to go through a lawyer to be sure that if after the game a contestant is not happy, and he demands to see the regulations. Everything has to uh, have happened. We, we need to follow our own rules. We cannot just change them because we want one person to win and not the other. So we're bound by that. We're very bound by that. Uh, so we just have to be ready for every um, case. Also, the fact that there was a tie in Argentina between Hannah and Cathy, we thought it was amazing. They were the two best candidates and they were tied down right up until the last minute. That's a brilliant way to, uh, to end it. Yeah, except I don't think that's really happened before in American or Australian or the... I don't, Michael, do you know anything about what the Dutch franchise is, that there's been a tie either? Not that I know of. No, what, there has been a case uh, in Belgium, but that was back in, I don't know, uh, 99 or 2000. Uh, one of the first series ever made, uh, which was done by my production company as well, where in the final you had the Mo, the winner, and then the loser, but the loser was still sure that the winner was the Mo. So only one person had figured out the riddle. Only one person knew who the mole was. And of course, she became the winner. I think to me, that's amazing. So there was one person who has been misled right up until the end. And she thought that the winner was the mole. Uh, that happened just once uh, back then. I, I don't know of, ever, of another instance of that. Weirdly, it's happened in the past two Dutch ones. Well, in the past two Dutch ones, Ruben was the only person to get Jan. And they had oh, yeah, the wonderful... Right. Si- you mentioned it, of course, yeah. They had the wonderful situation the year before where the winner suspected them all, the mole suspected the loser, the loser suspected the winner. Right, yeah, I mentioned it. Yeah, I'm very much focused on my own series right now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's great. I mean, that's amazing. But on the other hand, you need to be, it needs to be doable to, be, to find them all. Um, I'm very pleased that, you know, like as of right now, we got three guys left. All three of them have pretty much 33% of the votes behind them when you see the online polling about it. And I think that's good. But I would still prefer it if the right person would have like 40 and the two other 30, 30, because you need to be able to figure out who it is, even though that has a very, very great deal to do with luck. Do you ever worry that um, some of the clues are a little bit too hard? Yes, that's a genuine, that's maybe our main concern. That's a very good question. That's, that's a, it's a huge concern. Do we have to keep on... Um, uh, you know, putting clues in the show because it's it's uh, it's a vicious circle. The harder we make them, the more people than the year after that will be looking into nooks and crannies and corner where where we wouldn't dream of putting any hints. And it 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 should remain something that is on the side for the those who want to go uh, uh, look for it. Uh, so it's a very 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 hard debate that we have every year because you don't want to end up with having clues that no one finds uh, interesting because they're impossible to find. So that's a real genuine danger. On the other hand, this year we, uh, you know, there were some phone numbers hidden in the game. They have been found, which is absolutely lovely because that's, of course, that was the only uh, 
uh, reason we put them in there to be found by guys like you or guys that watch every episode like two, three times. Uh, so it's, it's a very difficult uh, balancing act for us. Have you got a favourite clue that you've used in the past? I'm not necessarily talking about this season, because obviously I'll, I'll then work out what you're referring to if you talk about this season. I do have a favourite clue, but it was not in my season. It was in, which, in one of the three original seasons, so back 20 years back, when you know there wasn't any Twitter or any other social media. There was hardly any internet. So it was doable back then to do that. And the clue was, and it was, you know, you just have to, to come up with it. But if you took the presenter's first word in every uh, episode uh, that made a sentence at the end you know every episode uh, back then was uh, was started with Michiel my predecessor which yeah. would then uh, he would he would uh, talk a little bit in the camera and then there would be the opening credits and the show would begin um, and the first word of that that made and I can tell you in Dutch the mole is Hugo and Hugo alleen natuurlijk which translate to roughly Hugo is the mole and only Hugo of course and if you hear it from the seven episodes you've been watching religiously, you kind of facepalm yourself because it's very well thought. It's well, it's very well thought of. But we cannot do that anymore. It's impossible to do that. It would be out there the second after we uh, we put the show uh, we put the show out. It's funny you mentioned that clue because the UK mole used that one in both of our series as well. Yeah. In the first one, it was the first word spelling it out, and in the second one, the first words spelled out. This time, not the first, but the last. And then the last word spelled out who the mole was. Were they found out or not? Uh, I can't remember, because that was the early 2000s as well. I think it was another sort of facepalm moment. Mm. But we have a friend who does the Amazing Race podcast with us called Michelle. And when Anthony and I went on a quiz show together last year, we were about to film a show with her. So yeah. we decided to do mole-style clues and hide the last words of every episode spelled out, we are going to be on TV on April 4th. Yeah. And then we did a live reveal on her, and she is still irritated with me that we managed to get this past her. <laughs> That's nice. Because in those seven episodes, we got about 100 clues past her, in a mole homage, basically. That's Well, that's very well done. That's very well done. But of course, that's just Michelle watching. When you have a million plus people watching, someone's bound to find out, because it backfired two years ago in Holland, where they, episode two was called The Last Word. And then you had to take some of the last words. I don't know exactly how it went through. And then it just stated, plain and bold, class is the mole. It was in the monastery task where they had the old moles. And it was the last word of everything they spelled out. I think it was the first and last letters of the last word that they said spelled out class mole. Yeah. Michael, that's a nightmare. I mean, I, I would not get any sleep for five years after that. So we tend to, tend to be a little bit more careful about that. Uh, so you've not had any clues hidden in anything you've said? In what I say, no, no. I'm just genuinely uh, uh, answering your questions, guys. No, no. No, no I, I mean on the show. I don't necessarily mean when you're talking to us. Oh, I'm not commenting on that either. <laughs> Damn it. Well, try, nice try. Yeah, oh, I'm trying. You'll see. It's just in 10 days, you'll see... Uh, You'll see if there were any clues, because even that isn't sure, of course. We might not have uh, put in clues this year. I mean, that's possible as well. You're too good at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite well versed in it, yeah. I love that you guys keep doing musical clues as well, because it's made me go down a massive rabbit hole this year trying to work out the clues. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we did that the, the two previous years. There was a whole lot of clues uh, in the music. The, the, both years... The Moles playlist was uh, pretty much ominous about every task that they played or every episode uh, they featured in. 
And then there was last year some uh, policing music on the rugby assignments that no one spotted. But all of the soundtracks we used on that specific assignment, all of them were from uh, corrupt police officer movies, uh, which was a pretty good uh, clue, I, I thought. Yeah, that was a complete facepalm clue for me. Because yeah. I was sat there going, oh my god, it's Aline, I can't actually believe it, I'm wrong again. Yeah. And, then, and then you run through the clues and I'm like, are you kidding me? How did I not spot this? Yeah, but you know, that's, that's what you want as a viewer. How did I not? Because that's the game. Uh, but of course, if we take too many risks with it, you, 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 know, you, you run the risk of, of the truth being out after a couple of weeks, which is, well, then there's no point. So, uh, so it's a very, very difficult balancing act. You haven't told me who your suspects are, by the way, you two. The problem is, episode 7 threw everything up in the air, because I'm still not sure what the number's referring to, basically, because there is a, a theory on the internet for every single one of the three who's left. There is, yeah. So I'm, I've split on the suspect list this week between Peter and Lloyd. Okay. But I'm, I've seen what I think are clues for both, basically. Yeah, well, that, that's a very interesting point, uh, because um, a lot of people see clues everywhere and then afterwards say, but you put fake clues into the show. You put fake clues that are pointing to uh, to uh, Davy or Annalise. I'm referring to last year because I'm obviously not going to <laughs> name names this year, not yet. Uh, we don't do that. That's a very, 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 and I, I'm very adamant about it. We do not do that. We will never put a clue in it that uh, specifically leads to a false mold. Uh, that's not to say that if a regular candidate uh, does something wrong or, or makes, uh, makes a mess of things, we won't show it because that's the game. But a very specific clue that can only point to one person, you need to think it very, very thoroughly because we will not... And I, I am very, very clear about that. Never put in a fake clue. Never. No hoaxes. Well, we, no. There, there's, there's. I think that's that's taking the game one step too far. It wouldn't be fair to uh, from us to hoax our audience, uh, because you know, as lo- when you get with the three final candidates, they've been on your television for seven weeks. You know them, and of course, as the longer they're in it the more suspect they become. That's a given. That's natural because, you know, it, 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 they have, if they survive that long, well, they either they found who the mole is, either they mole themselves. So people tend to see them as suspects regardless. So that's one thing. Second thing, if you're in the game for such a long time, you will have failed at some tasks and assignments. You will have given ridiculous answers. You will have made a fool out of yourself sometimes, which people see as clues. And third, they're... Um, the longer they're in the game, the more there is time to, you know, to analyze every frame and every detail and every corner and every color and every... And you can make up theories about everyone. You could... I bet you could find, uh, you know, black and white things that point out to Gilles as the mole, me as the host. Mm. So it's doable for everyone. So that's... that's, You need to be careful about that. I'm personally suspecting uh, Bianca the goat. Um, Well, that's... that's kind of... She's the the pink goat. Yeah, that's the best guess I heard so far. <laughs> the two clues that I think I've spotted respectively for Lloyd and Peter are Lloyd with the log flume task, or with the roller coaster bit of the log flume task. The the word actor stand is yeah. backlog in English. Lloyd was at the back of the log flume. Yeah. And the Peter one is a bit more subtle because I've noticed in the past two episodes you guys have used music from Marvel films. Yeah. You used Avengers when Peter was on the screen in uh, episode six, and the Defenders theme, which I was racking my brain about to work out what it was, by the way, because I knew what it was and I couldn't remember. And you used that at the start of the run. Yeah. And Peter is the only person who has 
a song from Guardians of the Galaxy in his playlist because he has hooked on a feeling. And also, you described him at the start of the the last episode as the guardian of the group. You take this quite far, don't you? Oh yeah, I've been <laughs> like I was so puzzled after the last episode that I was racking my brain as to what a clue could have been because I knew there was a hidden clue in that episode and I was working it out. <laughs> okay, I can hear that. Well, I'm I'm obviously not going to uh, to tell you anything about it, but it's nice to hear uh, your thoughts. You're too good at this. <laughs> I'm, I've been doing this for the last three years. I get paid to do this, so yeah. I know. <laughs> do you have a particular season that is your favourite out of the three? That's, or are they like children that you can't? Yeah, that's like children. That's like children. If, if I say one, then I got 20 other contestants that will text me and say, what the fuck are you saying? Uh, <laughs> all three of them had something very special about them. The first one was us as a crew being very young and, and not very experienced and not really knowing what we were getting ourselves into um, and still uh, be able to come back with a very good series. And that was we were very, very proud of that because it was the first time. So that's always special. The one after that is in, in South Africa. I think we really took a step uh, in production value and in, the, in our uh, filming abilities. And I think it was, um, it was a step up on, on every uh, account. And then this year, uh, I think I particularly like the group of candidates this year. And what I love the most is the probably the reception of this uh, series, which has been moved from Monday to Sunday evenings, which reaches a bigger audience and which, I mean, there seems to be some kind of universal acclaim to it. Everyone's really, really uh, excited about it, maybe even more so in the last two seasons. But I, I, I won't you know, pick a, a favorite between the three because I, I love doing all three of them. And if next year I'm leaving again for a, a new trip, I will love that as well. So basically, it's like you say, it's like your children. I will say that I think this is the best of the three. I'll put it out there. I do, I do think this is genuinely the most fun it's been so much fun and I'm not sure whether it's just because we're covering this season and I'm so excited that we are actually covering this season and my pestering of these guys has finally worked but it's just been such a fun experience for me to watch never mind like podcast about as well well that's nice to hear thanks Logan hates it now what (laughs) I don't believe you don't speak for me Michael What's been your favorite location out of the three seasons, or do you view all three locations as? Uh, I think like... that's, that's a little bit easier. Um, I have been to Mexico before, so I knew uh, Mexico because actually my brother-in-law is from Mexico. Uh, he now lives in Belgium, obviously, but he's, he was born and bred in Mexico. But I think I loved South Africa the most. I don't know exactly why. Maybe nature-wise, it's probably the most European of the three countries, whereas I like to be very, very uh, out of my uh, comfort zone. But I think South Africa maybe edges it just before uh, uh, Mexico. Okay. So Argentina is at the bottom for you? Uh, Argentina was a, a harder country for us to work in because logistically it was we had a lot of, uh, you know, we had car breakdowns and, and, and power outages and uh, there was a lot to contend with. And the distances were a little bit too great uh, to be traveling safely and fluidly. So it was a, a little bit harder at work, but it's an amazing country. If you ever get the chance to go to Buenos Aires, you do it because it's it's fantastic. Absolutely. And I'm not very well versed into uh, Latin America because I just did Mexico and Argentina for now. But uh, it's no, I love the country. But I think the two other ones were a little bit easier to work in. Logan's literally just got back from Argentina. <laughs> yeah, the not... power outages I can definitely uh, identify with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so were there any locations where you sort of didn't feel safe necessarily? 
No, not at all. People have been warning us, uh, you know, Mexico has had a spell of, of atrocious criminal uh, activity, but that's mainly up around the border with the U.S. and to the uh, to the uh, uh, west of uh, Mexico City, uh, down towards uh, Acapulco, um, the state of Guerrero, which is why these states uh, were left out. We didn't visit these states because they're nice, but, you know, people told us you should avoid it. But then they told us about Veracruz, you need to be aware that in the evening you shouldn't walk outside your hotel. We did that regardless, and we didn't feel unsafe for one moment same thing in uh, in johannesburg in south africa we had a security team with us we didn't feel sa- unsafe at at no point in these uh, three years did we feel unsafe maybe the the time where that was maybe the closest to unsafe was when we were in the park in mexico city doing with uh, the the game with uh, the bike and the packages there were some um guys i think they had been eating or sniffing glue for like their whole lives they were <laughs> They were a little bit of a nuisance, but there was it was okay. I mean, we didn't feel unsafe, not at all. They were nice, but they were just, you know, uh, a little bit out there. Have you guys ever come close to being busted by fans of the show? Not not necessarily by fans, but of course, when we see Belgians, um, it uh, yeah, that can that can be be dangerous. Not because first of all, there's secrecy about the location we're shooting. Um, up until when we're back because we don't want people to run up to us and say hi and and watch the recordings that's and watch the shooting because it has to stay a secret um so much more important than that is if we get spot and then they take a picture of me with say the last four yeah well that's that's oh, yeah. yeah you don't want that to happen so we're on the lookout but belgians have a way of announcing themselves or of or looking very belgian so they they look at and when i heard even the faintest words of flemish or Dutch, I typically duck into a car. I'm the only one who can get recognized. All the other guys are not really known. So that's, I'm the only one who needs to be, uh, and, and, you know, in South Africa, uh, we kind of maybe like three or four times ran into Belgians. Then I told them I was shooting a show that has been off the air for, I don't know, 10 years. And they believed it. They bought it every single time. Oh yeah. Okay. Good luck. Yeah. Have fun. Whereas, of course, now, I don't know, I think I could pull that uh, pull that off anymore because everyone knows I'm the presenter of the host of the mall. So, but uh, it's, it's a genuine concern, of course, which is one of the reasons why we go so far away. We will not be shooting this in, uh, in southern France or in, or in uh, on the UK or, or Germany because there are just too many Belgians there. You always have to consider how many Belgians there are around. Yeah, there's that, and there's the uh, there's the idea of making a dream journey to somewhere you wouldn't be otherwise, and in a country where in November, December, uh, the period, uh, the time we're shooting of year, there's enough sunlight. Because if you don't have enough sunlight, then your day is very short, and then you don't have enough time to shoot what you want to shoot. And people are also a little bit cloudy when it's cloudy, so the sun helps a lot. So good climate, nice country, far away, no Belgians. Did you ever consider how mean it was to eliminate Ruth in in that manner with the paint-filled taxi? Yes, uh, for hours. But the thing is, we were sure, we were absolutely sure that they would take her back. We thought that we we were a little afraid of that assignment because we thought it would be a non-event where everyone would just vote for her to come back because that was, you know, that meant 5,000 euros. Um, But the, the game had started and they did just... Yeah, they just discarded her. 
Uh, and we, we didn't see that coming. We really, really thought that she would be going back to the group and that we would have a double elimination uh, a couple of days afterwards. But, you know, luckily Ruth had a, has a very, very good sense of humor and she, she, she thought it was a night. She thought if I have to go first, I prefer to do it this way and be remembered for, uh, for leaving Argentina in a cloud of uh, very cheap red paint. <laughs> I do love how this has now become a thing associated with Belgian Mole of the ridiculous episode one cliffhangers. Yeah, well, uh, again, we it it's it's get hard it gets harder and harder to just you know come up with new things every year, and maybe we don't need a cliffhanger after a, each episode one. But of course, yeah, I mean it's it's nice to be thinking of ways to just surprise the audience every year again. It's also a fun way to bookend the first episode of having the ridiculous task at the start and a ridiculous cliffhanger at the end, and making people go, "Oh my god, I want to watch the next episode." Yeah, yeah, that's that's you know pretty much every every uh, uh, TV professional wants that. You want to, to to hook your audience and to make them crave the next episode. Uh, um, that's that's pretty much our goal, and especially with the mole where there's a very simple little riddle going, you will lose a com- uh, contestants every week. So there's it's it's very pure. It's very clear to watch. You know what you're watching, and then every departure from that makes it special. And Black Handkerchief on Reddit has a very long question, but ultimately, what is the logic behind the way that you guys handle the goodbyes with the taking the the elimini straight away without actually being able to say goodbyes? The the simple logic behind that is if you take a contestant out of that group, um, let me just take an example. If if you're in the third episode and you decide to answer all of your questions on contestant A in which you uh, take a risk because uh, that early in stages, a lot of contestants, they will just spread their answers uh, among a couple of suspects to be able to gather some points. Take, for instance, I'm Jeffrey, and I think it's Steve. We both know they're both not the mold, so I can, t- I can tell you this. I answer every question with Steve in mind. If you get a red screen after that, then there's only one thing you can be sure of. Steve is not the mole. So that in itself is knowledge that this a contestant that leaves the group has and that the other uh, contestants that are still there cannot have. So they, there will be no more communication between them because that would be possibly altering the game and the, uh, the due course. So that's, that's one of the main reasons. The second one being that it has to be abrupt because it is a, um, it is a hardship. It's something you, you're not going to want to be looking forward to. This is, uh, this is the worst that can happen to you, is me typing your name excruciatingly slow, looking at you and then hitting enter to have a red screen. You don't want that. You want your candidates to really, really want to stay in the game and not have to leave abruptly without even be able to say goodbye. Do you really enjoy leaving the long pauses for people? You know more and more. <laughs> The first time I did it in Argentina, I was nervous as hell. Um, but it's, you know, I, I I even leave them longer than you see on, on, on television because I, I want to leave a long pause so that we can choose what's the best period of time to wait in the editing to have the maximum drama without it being boring. Uh, so it, it's, there's a lot of time that, fine, a lot of time. It's it, it never very much longer than, than a couple of seconds, but that's enough for the contestants. But I, I think it's 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 the most uh, tense moment of the game, so you have to respect that. So I enjoy doing it because it's my task to, to you know to make sure that the, the tension is there and that it doesn't leave 
uh, until after uh, the candidate's departure. Does a green screen or a red screen still come up even if you accidentally misspell somebody's name at the execution? Yes, it does. The uh, system is very well uh, thought through for idiots like me. So uh, basically, all I have to do is hit the first letter of the name. And then if I type an S, I can type whatever I want after that. The computer will type Steve because there is only one S. You know, with uh, Pascal and Peter, I would have to type PA or PI before being able to type anyone else. But that's, yeah, that's very, very well thought through because you don't want any mistake. This is the one thing you cannot do a reshoot of. It's impossible to say, okay, we're gonna do this again. Look worried, everyone. You, can, you, you just can't do that. You just can't ask people to be in that agony over and over again. Uh, and so, you know, all the names will have by default a green screen and we have to uh, indicate which one will receive the red screen. Uh, and we, I think we quadruple check that like every five minutes before we start the shooting. Is it still, okay, red screen? Yeah, is, uh, uh, yeah, because you just, you cannot afford to reshoot that. Do they go home immediately or are they sequestered? That's something we don't tell people. Ah, yeah. That's something I'm really interested in as well. (laughs) No, but you know, the only thing that has to happen and afterwards it's your imagination that has to decide what we do with it, but the people that are uh, going uh, away with us on the mole experience have to be absent from not home but public life for three weeks to the whole duration so that if afterwards i say oh but michael you were in the mole but i saw you were you were like gone for five days so you cannot be the mole or a finalist we don't want that to happen so they have to be off the grid that's basically it for three weeks the way we do that exactly we have some very foolproof systems but that's uh yeah maybe a little bit of a trade secret that was what I suspected was going to be the answer, was that actually they have to be absent from public life, if nothing else. First time of the evening, I, I need to to to, uh, to pull the uh, trade secrets card, so we're doing fine so far. Over an hour in, and we're, we're only just at trade secrets. <laughs> is there an extra prize for the mole if nobody figures out who the mole is at the final three? No, that would be very, very... Uh, no, that would be terrible, actually. No, no, we, we, want, we want contestants to, to find out who the mole is, and it is impossible not to find out who the mole is. They spend 24 hours together, uh, a day together, so uh, there will always inevitably be one or more candidates that, f- that figure out who the mole is. So no, there's no extra prize. And all, all, some people think that the money not won or sabotage by the mole is going to the mole. That's not true either. That's, that, that would be very, very wrong because then you would have a mole who might sabotage everything just because, you know, we would get a huge payoff in the end. So, no, we, we do uh, have something for the mole uh, we paid because, of course, the mole is an accomplice, uh, is an accomplice to us. And so uh, 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 he or she gets paid a little uh, for uh, what he or she has done, but uh, nothing more than that. Yeah, some of the seasons have had it where the mole gets everything not won as long as they go without sus- being suspected in the final test. I think that's a wrong that's a wrong approach. You need the, the goal is to find out the mole. The goal is not to not find out the mole because then everyone no, you have to find out the mole. You need a reveal in the end when there's one or more contestants that have it right. That's that's to me that's the spirit of the game. They've come close, really close in the American version where no one's figured it out. I know in one of the celebrity versions, no one figured it out until the final round. And then they've had one where somebody knew who it was and then they changed their mind to the other suspect in the very final round. 
well, that's lucky because basically it's like that phone number thing. Uh, we are glad that it was spotted because if no one had spotted it, then you don't really have much of a clue to tell people about. So if no one knows who the mole is, then why the hell did we shoot this series? Yeah, I know you want you want it to be to it, you want it to be doable to find the mole. Otherwise, you don't start watching it because it's impossible to do. You think? Was there any any loved ones who got really close to suspecting their their candidates in in any of the three seasons? Each and every year, there's always some loved ones who uh, are either very very sure that their candidate is not the mole, in which case they probably are the mole, and then the other way around where they're very very sure that I, I'm sure that my brother is the mole, I'm sure that my father is the mole, in which case they're probably not. That depends on the relationship they have. Uh, they like to think that their candidate is the mole because that would make it awesome. <laughs> but uh, of course, there's only one. Uh, so most of them get it wrong either. And they are just, you know, they're with us for two or three days, which is maybe just not long enough to really, really get to know the other ones and see suspicious behavior. Has a loved one ever screwed up the game for their uh, for the contestant when they show up? Like the contestant is on the right track with who the mole is, and the loved one shows up for a couple days and then puts just too much doubt in their minds and ruins not, the game for them. Not that I'm aware of. No, they may, you know mainly they try to help their candidate uh, by asking who do you suspect, and then you know uh, watching that person with them in particular to have an extra set of eyes. But uh, I'm not aware of any. Of any change in uh, in the candidates' minds once the uh, the visitors were gone, I don't think that has ever happened. Not in Belgium, at least. I suppose it's a different kettle of fish when you have a loved one like Indy, who obviously wanted to be there in his mum's place. Yeah, yeah, it was it, it was it's amazing to, to you know to discover the footage in the car when he was such it was such grit in him to just and so what did that guy say and who what did she do and and have you watched that one? But it's nice. It's nice. That's that's what you want from people who travel, what is it, 12 odd hours into a cramped plane to be joining their uh, family for just two days is to help them and to be to be uh, to be excited about it. Do you know why there's no Belgian mole merchandise, by the way, because I would have bought the entire store by now. Well, tell me, give me some ideas. What would you what would you buy? Well, I'd want a Pasfaraga sitting right next to me <laughs> or, or or alternatively a rice Delling. I would be all over that. The closest I've ever come is I have a mole book from um, from Dutch Mole this year because they released like a companion mole book. Yeah, yeah. I loved that idea. I would love a mole book generally. We did that. We did that two years ago. I think there were uh, mole skin books um, uh, which we put uh, out and which people could buy. I think there are some stickers and maybe I don't know. Oh yeah, last year we did some sweaters with the Booba's quote: "Life is not a pony camp." Uh, which he did all. Uh, but other than that, it, it, no, I haven't even thought of it. That a worth, worthless pieces of wood with our logo engraved on it could sell. But you're, uh, yeah, I would be all over that. Some shares in that, yeah. <laughs> that would be so cool to me. Well, that's nice. I, have, I never thought of that, but I'm not very much of a commercial uh, mind. That's other people's job uh, uh, where I work. Yeah, it, it would just be such a cool idea for me to to be able to have, like, Pasfaraga next to me while I'm doing mole podcasts and stuff. I'm a proper nerd when it comes to, to merch. Yeah, well, uh, well, apparently, but, but the mole books, that's that's I, that's something I, I don't understand why we don't do it anymore. You know, there's maybe a little more of the mole experience in which, in which that final I was talking about uh, at the beginning of our conversation in the cinemas where 
a whole lot of people come together and have a drink and watch the final and, and the reveal of the mole and then get to have a picture of the mole uh, because, of course, that person is there and then we chat about it. I think that experience is probably the most commercial spin we've given it. But that's genuinely a nice evening to, to, uh, to attend. Do the candidates get to keep their mole books afterwards, assuming they're not burned? They do, they do. Of course, now this year we uh, had to keep them. Uh, actually, I think we keep them pretty much every year to avoid uh, mishaps uh, or people losing them or uh, leaving them in trains or something like that, because that would be kind of disastrous if there were uh, information bits to be released to the, the public. Um, obviously, this year the books had a role to play afterwards, but they get them back. Yeah, sure. I thought as much, because unless you guys burn them like you nearly did in Argentina, it's kind of mean not to give them back, I think. It's very mean, you know, and, it, and it's probably, along with the DVD or the Blu-ray or the, I don't know, whatever the hell we give them, USB uh, stick of the, the shows, the nine shows, uh, which we give them, of course. It's pretty much a nice souvenir you can, you can keep. Uh, there are some pictures, but not much, because they are not allowed to have their phones when they're with us. Uh, so there, we, we take pictures. We, of, of course, have a lot of footage in nine episodes. We give them that and their mole books. But other than that, it's just in their minds and, and it's just, uh, it's just uh, memories. Is there a particular sabotage that a mole's done that you thought, that is so cool, I'm really proud of you? Uh, there are some uh, instances in which the mole outguessed even the editors and was so clever as to sabotage things in ways we had not really imagined. Uh, I'm usually most impressed not at specific sabotages, but when the mole gets confronted to, you know, situations that we did not expect would occur and then reacts brilliantly to it. Um, I, I love that. And that, that's nice. Maybe one of the, the nicest thing was back in Buenos Aires when Jill had to run the subway and he instilled uh, in his four uh, uh, for other candidates, we need to. Uh, everyone needs to make himself a little bit more suspicious. So, and all the other candidates at their platforms, they screwed up their task, and he just ran. He had trained for it. He knew that he could beat the uh, subway. And then when he came in the final subway station, he ran past us, and he asked, "So, do I get it, or do or, or do I miss the train?" And we knew that the three tasks had failed. Uh, on the train so he could board the train be the hero and uh and uh throw everybody off i mean that was that was brilliant that was very nice and that was uh uh he has the the idea in the morning of talking to the other candidates and trying to wriggle them into failing their assignments which is very clever that was the task where i completely discounted him well that's 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 the idea of course because he's the hero at that point he's the hero he hasn't i mean the task has brought up zero which afterwards was much of his doing because the zero was a little bit thanks to him, uh, but he was the hero. That's and and that's when that works. It's nice. It really it's really nice. Yeah, I completely discounted him after that, and I was so annoyed when I watched the the reunion for all the clues. I'm like, of course he sabotaged that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was perfectly on time, and there's a shot of him running past, and he say, "Gaan or gaan of niet gaan." Should I go or should I not go? And then he runs, he gets the train <laughs> at the last moment. And then I think and then they see the actor in Jill. He's wriggling, he's lying there on the subway floor between bewildered uh, uh, commuters yelling, fuck, how is this possible? Whereas he perfectly knew what just had happened and he had a big hand in it. 
I'm amazed there's enough space to do that on the Buenos Aires uh, metro system for somebody to lie down. Because whenever I had to ride on it, it was packed as much as it possibly could be. It was a Sunday. It was a Sunday. And uh, so that that means it's a little bit less packed than usually. It was also a uh, subway line that is not the most busy of a, the uh, town. And I think it was probably somewhere around 10 or 11-ish. Uh, which means okay, so after all the rush hour and stuff. Yeah. But we tried that actually. I mean, the I got a colleague who uh, who did that twice. He ran twice against the subway just to be sure it was doable and it was manageable, and to be to know how much time the different assignments on the on the uh, the ongoing uh, stations uh, uh, had. So we we kind of test these things uh, to the extreme to be sure that the uh, the assignment will hold. Same thing with the elevator uh, elevator challenge this year. We needed to know how much time the elevator had to stop at each floor to be able to um, have a fighting chance if you were, were to take the stairs. If the elevator would have opened and closed, yeah, no one would have, no one would have a chance against the, uh, the elevator, but it had to be doable. So all these things, that's like a little bit mathematics where we figure out how much time how difficult the question needs to be, how far away the question needs to be from the elevator. All, all of that is tested very thoroughly before we leave. Is there a particular challenge that you guys wish you could have done and then had to abandon? Uh, lots of them, uh, but uh, sometimes these challenges get a second chance in a year after that. Uh, so I'm, I'm not really... There are a couple of challenges which we still have up our sleeves, but we might want to reuse in future uh, series. So that happens, and, and basically, most of the time it happens because we cannot find the right location or we do not get issued the right permits, which happens a lot of the time. Um, and you need to be able to cope with that and then to have other assignments ready to, uh, to replace them. Yeah, the assignments are, especially this year, as you said, you've, you've tailored them to Mexico so much. Is that a strategy that you want to continue with, trying to find the national stereotypes and then play on them with like the Mexican standoff and the day of the dead and not not so yeah well yes I want that but not so much the stereotype as as the local culture and the 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 vibe and the colors that you get when you're there you want to have these kind of elements in your show oftentimes that goes along with some cliches and some stereotypes like piñatas and but piñatas are genuinely everywhere when you're in Mexico there are mariachis you see and you hear a lot of them so that's not it's just how the country is. You want to you want to show off how the country is, and the local culture works as as an inspiring uh, as a source of inspiration. Yeah, the the best shows like Belgian Mole are ones where the location is another character. I think is the best way I can describe it. And it's a very good way to describe it. And last year, uh, especially, we had um, news bulletin news uh, articles in the media during the airing of the uh, South African episodes, um, whereas there were some travel uh, agency that had a very clear spike of, of, of questions about South Africa and that a lot of people were booking trips to South Africa because they had seen them all and they wanted to go there. That's, the, that's very nice to see. I won't lie, I do that tactic all the time. I watch these sort of shows and go, I really want to go there now. I've never wanted to before, but I really want to now. Why do people watch the Tour de France on television? It's because of the cycling, yes, but also because you're in the south of France and you get to see little villages. Why do you watch game shows 
that happen in particular countries because it might inspire you to go there. That's that's it's it's a travel show as well. That's that's a very nice thing, especially for people who like to travel like me. I get inspired all the time when I see on TV. Is there any one location you want to go to genuinely outside of the show that you haven't been to? Yeah, like pretty much every country I haven't been to. I'm, I'm not I'm not really picky on that, but there's a couple of there's a couple of countries that I would like to visit. Iceland being one of them. Um, Iran being the second, but that might just become a little bit difficult. And then New Zealand is something I'm very curious uh, about. Um, but that's like from Belgium, from the UK, it's like 24 hours of so that's not an easy uh, an easy undertaking. But those are countries. Brazil is another one. You know, I'm, whatever. As long as it's not Belgium or France or or the countries that I visit, often I'm very very happy to be to be to be going uh, and see the world and explore the world i'm going to uh, sochi in russia to watch uh, one of the belgium games of the upcoming world cup i'm excited i haven't been to russia ever and i'm excited to uh, to discover it yeah i briefly went to russia a couple of years ago because i went on a cruise yeah and st petersburg was really beautiful annoyingly it's... because of the visa thing we weren't really allowed to go out on okay. our own that much we had to go on a guided tour but it was a really pretty place i mean i'm going to uh, Beijing in October, a start of another cruise, which I'm really excited for. Beijing is—I was there last summer. It's—it's—it's uh, it's, uh, it's enthralling and it's very overwhelming, but it's—it's it's an incredible place to have seen. Really, yeah, I'm really excited for it because that's basically all I work for—is the whole travel aspect and the touring and exploring. I understand you 100%. In fact, right next to me is a scratch-off map of the world. <laughs> is it? Yeah, it genuinely is. How much scratch off? Um, not enough is the honest answer. A lot of the Northern Hemisphere. Well, that's the only right answer, not enough. I don't think China would be very suitable as a mole uh, country because it's very strict as to what tapes so are. We've looked into it because we look into every country, but China, I think, won't won't be happening, which is a shame because I've, I've seen it pretty extensively now and uh, I, I love it, absolutely. I think Russia's another one. Dutch Mole talked about going to Russia a few years ago and had to change oh. it at the last moment with the whole annexing of the Crimea thing. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not sure Russia would really work as a, a filming location for the entire season. I know they did it for an episode, but... Maybe, yeah, yeah. November, December, I imagine, probably wouldn't be the best weather there either. Probably as well. No, that's a very good point. Um, but we are now very close to deciding on the next location, and it's the one I'm probably the most excited about from the last five years uh, that we've been, oh, four years that we've been shooting, the one we're going next, which of course I cannot tell you yet, is one I'm, I'm most excited about. If it goes through, if we're not, we're not sure. We haven't decided, but uh, how many countries is it down to? Uh, in the end, it's usually well. Right now, it's two. We're back to the yeah. We're we're to the we're down to the last two, and um, and it's just a matter of. Climate, cost, and local production facilities, you need to have a very, very patient and um, competent local crew that will help you in your crazy questions. You will be hammering them with all day long. And I guess the ability to be able to move around as well. Yes, as well. You need to be able to move around quite quickly. Um, You know, even in Mexico, uh, well... All of the three countries we've visited, we've only seen a fraction of them because we just cannot afford to do huge distances uh, for the reasons I was explaining earlier. So uh, you're limited somewhat. But even then, you need to have uh, a good road road or rail network that will uh, 
that will allow you to go from point A to point B and then afterwards good cars to uh, to be able to do that and a good truck that won't break down and stuff like that. And I guess there's the consideration of sponsored vehicles as well because you guys have BMW so you have to be able to get enough of those around. Yeah, that's, not, that's, that's not really in the deal actually because a lot of people think that we have imagined the first assignment of the South Africa season where all uh, BMW 7 Series were aligned around uh, a plane the assignment existed and then someone told us uh you know that's a good assignment you don't have any car sponsors the year before that in uh, in uh, in argentina they were just rental cars um why not go see some brands uh, some car uh, manufacturers and tell them look we have that and of course there's a lot of shots of people in cars are you interested in providing vehicles and bmw was one of the first we we contacted and they were very enthusiastic and they have been great for the last two seasons in providing us with cars uh, that never break down <laughs> to be to further that's it's a big it's a big issue and that are roomy enough to be uh, to accommodate five adults and 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 go pro cameras and and whatnot in their luggage and, and a whole lot of other things they don't break down despite Lloyd leaving the handbrake on no 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 that was a car we just had for one day no they don't break down they might get scratched they do because you know it's it's an epic adventure that lasts for a for a month but the people at BMW know that, of course, and they they know that uh, that's part of the game. That's the risk they take. I just love the behind the scenes stuff, like like the accidental scene of, of Lloyd leaving the handbrake on. That makes the show for me more than anything because it's just so so real. It does feel like a family adventure that we're just sort of sneaking along on and keeping an eye on. It's human behavior. You make little mistakes like that that are to to me hilarious, which is one of the main reasons I I love going with people that are not uh, um, familiar with camera crews and, and, and shooting sets and, and people that are just behaving normally and then doing some sometimes stupid things, but also reacting very naturally on everything they see. I think that's much more interesting than to have people that are, that are celebrities or actors or sports uh, people and that know cameras and that they know the, 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 the ins and outs of it. Uh, and little scenes like that is what make me happy when I watch a show as well. Do you think you have the coolest job in the world? Because I do. Uh, yeah, I think you know I might be able to uh, to have a contest with like I don't know Bono or uh, or Lionel Messi, but uh, I'm pretty much I'm, I'm very I'm, I might be happier in my job than they are with theirs. I love it, I absolutely love it, and it's I've been saying this for like three years. It's it's an honor to be able to make this show and and to uh, to share it with a, a world of enthusiast uh, viewers. It's it's incredible. It's it's incredibly nice. It's a feeling that you cannot describe. Uh, having that kind of reception uh, of the work you've been putting so many hours in, and with all the details you've been you've been losing sleep about, um, it's so nice to see people reacting uh, positively about that. So yes, I'm pretty much have the coolest job in the world, and I get to see the world with that and getting paid for it. So yeah, yeah, I, I've always said that doing hosting this sort of show and producing it would be amazing. It is. Like, I, it's so jealousy-inducing. Yeah, well, I'm sorry about that, but... Yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot you can do about that. No, no, not too much, no, no. Have you got any more questions, Logan? Yeah, uh, I guess there is one. Um, uh, out of the contestants from the past couple seasons, and I guess the ones that you've eliminated this season, um, are there any that you wish had been a mole in a previous season or you think w- would uh, work as a really good mole? Uh, there are always some characters that would have been great moles um but i am always very happy that they were not because they carry a lot of suspicion with them 
like Bruno in the Argentina season, would have been a fantastic mole. But everyone was suspicious of, of him. And when he exited the show in the sixth episode, it was like a little bombshell here in uh, in Belgium. Uh, so I like to, to have these candidates on the trip, but as candidates, because I know that they will uh, uh, take a lot of suspicion on them, which is good for the show. Is there any particular characteristic you look for when you're casting the moles? Because I'm assuming they're cast from the regular contestant pool. That's another thing that we don't uh, shed any light on. So the, basically, there's only two possibilities. Either we approach someone, ask him, uh, you, you want to you be the mole, uh, and then ask him to you know, uh, send in his application form and just do everything what, the same as all the other candidates do. Uh, the other possibility being that we look into our shortlist and see who would be able to fit the role. So basically, it's one of these two, and the two are possible, and we, we never say what, how we do it. Um, but those are the two only possibilities. Uh, and then afterwards, what does a good mole have to be? You know, it has to be someone that's that's yeah, who's ready to to have to put on a mask for 23 hours a day because you cannot at not one single moment can you take that mask off uh, during the whole shooting of the series, except with the daily briefings, which are very short. There is no way you can tell, you can talk really freely with the others. And the nine others can do that. And I think that's a very difficult thing to to uh, uh, to put up with. Uh, so you have to find someone that's capable of doing that. But, you know, look at the three finalists this year. All three of them could do it with their eyes closed. So that doesn't help you any further with with your uh, your suspicion. But that one is the first thing we'll look for in, in, in a mole. You have to be able to do that. After that, the sabotaging, uh, that's tailored to the specific assignments and the, the character of the mole, because we will never ask someone to change his or her character for the simple reason uh, that the uh, entire surroundings, his family, friends, uh, or her would be, would, would see through that, would say, you're not the one, you're not acting like we know you. So the mole always uh, behaves like uh, the mole would behave in, in real life, and then we tailor the sabotages to that. Yeah, reminds me of the Argent the one task in the Argentina season where uh, it was with the Pasfragans, where uh, Jules was saying that uh, yeah that he's like oh that was slightly not within my character to sabotage it the way I did. It was like the one time he felt like he screwed up the whole season. Yeah, well he didn't screw up the whole season, of course, but he. Uh, he went very, very far into the, the sabotaging of that game, but he did that because Bruno had a very viable plan to uh, to work out the game and to play the game and to, to earn some money. So he tried to sabotage that. But Jill, I know him. He's a very competitive guy. I, I might see him do this in another game that is not the mole. So I don't think it was a very big departure of who he is, but he felt bad about it. He, he didn't have to because he, I think it was a good sabotage. You know, it cost the group three thousand euros, and uh, it was it was uh, a very intense discussion, and it was it was nice and interesting to watch. That actually brings up a good point. Do the moles get really like uh, just really question how they sabotage each task if it came off the right way, so that no one really, so that they don't draw suspicion? Are they constantly checking in with production as to how their sabotages were received? They don't. They don't talk to the production. They don't. I mean, when we leave, uh, I I saw them all in Mexico. I had seen him before, of course, because I was uh, at some of the briefings. We don't know each other. We uh, he he just behaves like a regular candidate that has no more contact with the production or any of my colleagues or me 
than the rest of them. But they the get interviewed. No, that because that of course would be a giveaway. So no, that doesn't happen. The briefings happen during the interviews. They are interviewed pretty much every evening about you know the day's uh, work and who do you suspect and what 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 things did you see, and then with the mole we add that like a very short period when we uh, tell uh, or when we go over the uh, the next day's assignments and, and what the plan is and that's it basically the rest of the time we do not talk to each other sometimes I might talk to the mole on camera but that's for the benefit of the last episode uh, but then of course these these uh, that footage you know goes under wraps and uh, and, and is, is secured uh, somewhere else uh, before we we begin to edit it we're, we're very paranoid about these things but we need to be when you get a situation like you did with the the meeting the mole challenge in South Africa where you had to step in for Elite, was that a really fun experience for you to pretend to be the mole for 10 minutes? It was, absolutely, because I looked like a dick in that suit. <laughs> so that was very fun, but also... Uh, it was fun because we had we Eline was acting, but so was I. So we needed to uh, to to get our shit together basically and do a little act, and and uh, it was hard not to start laughing because it was a little bit absurd, of course. Uh, and I had to actually go a little bit through my knees because I'm I don't know, I think twenty centimeters. I don't know how much inches that is. I'm sorry, uh, bigger than I'm, I'm quite. I'm a little bit bigger than than she is. So you would. Um, when I took the money away, you would be able to think the money is being taken from higher up. So this is someone else. Uh, so all these kind of little details made me look like a dork to my knees with that suit on, uh, trying to take money from Aline. It was nice. It was really nice to do. Yeah. And then she was just sat there giggling, thinking, you're doing a great job. No, she wasn't giggling. That's the cool thing. She was in yeah, but internally. <laughs> Probably she was screaming out loud, laughing internally, but, but she was, she was, it was fantastic. She was a great actress. She still is, I, I guess, but that is real nice to, to see. And basically a lot of it is acting, of course. Uh, me as well, talking to the group, knowing who the mole is, uh, or talking to the group, knowing who the one... Uh, the candidate is who is going to be leaving. Uh, I mean, I never t- tell what I know. Uh, so it's basically, for me as well, there's a little bit of you know, acting in it. And I guess it's difficult for you when you come home to, tr- to not tell people outside of work anything about the season. It's pretty easy, actually. Uh, you know, it, it just fun. Don't ask me, don't ask me anything about the mole uh, because I'm, I'm not telling you anything. Um like uh, my girlfriend never knew who the mole was. Never, 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 never know. I, uh, she just knows where we leave to, where, what country we go to. But um, other than that, we don't tell anyone anything. The rest of the crew as well. They don't then tell anyone anything at home. It, it remains a secret uh, up until after we're back. Does she ever try and guess? Yes. No. She played the game. She played. We're not together anymore. But she she used to play the game like everyone else. Yeah, of course. Which is very nice because I get to uh, to screw around with a lot of people. So I, I like to do that, and I like to laugh at her when she uh, she's suspecting the wrong uh, the wrong candidate. Yeah. I don't know what it is about Belgium Ball, but it attracts loads of people who get really wrong suspicions, and I'm including myself in that. Well. I don't know how I don't know how that is either. Maybe we're very very good at editing, or maybe the candidates are very good at doing suspicious stuff. Yeah, I will be gobsmacked if I, if it isn't Baha, basically, given that he's the only one I've not put points on this week or all season. 
Well, yeah, I'm not commenting on that. I know, <laughs> but I'll be gobsmacked for that exact reason if anyone other than Baha reveals themselves as the model. You know what you might do, you know, what's very fun to watch is to watch people's reaction when uh, a candidate gets ousted from the game, or in this game, in this case, the reveal. So you, you maybe you need to point a camera at your head, put it next to your TV, and then just watch the show because you will be laughing uh, at your reaction. If you're right, you're going to be. Uh, Jubilee, uh, jubilant. If you're wrong, you're going to be gobsmacked. And either way, that's funny to watch uh, afterwards. I mean, I like to see people's reaction when we reveal things. Yeah, the previous two years, I've watched it on my lunch break at work, so I may look like a dick at work if I do that. But this yeah. season, I've been watching it at home, so I could probably arrange that yeah, happening. Keep, keep it in mind. Keep it in mind. <laughs> I, I just love this show. I genuinely do. Well, that's nice. It's really nice to hear. I'm very serious. It's a, it's a very nice thing to hear, uh, and I and I can hear that you really do love it. That's it's a uh, it's an authentic uh, uh, enthusiasm about it, and I, I appreciate that. It's been a pet project of mine to get a mole season covered because I've I've been watching the Dutch one since like 2013. I've been watching your revival one. Yeah, I've loved this show for years. I mean, I remember watching the original UK mole. So to actually get the opportunity to cover this season is a victory in itself for me. <laughs> and then like to have people listen to it and enjoy it and then have you come on as well is just the icing on the cake for me. It's nice. I, I, you know, I, I absolutely love to, to uh, hear what people that, that see the show think about it because we don't get to know everything, of course, and we don't know what people think about it. I mean, we do basically, of course, because we, we, we read the forums and we, we keep an eye on social media, but it's always nice to, to just... To speak to people, I cannot go uh, out and have a drink uh, these days without getting, you know, a thousand questions. But I, I like it. I, I mean, it's it's it means that people look, uh, watch the show, and enjoy it and are uh, involved with it. So to me, it's the best compliment you can give me. What's the weirdest question you've gotten about the mall with people coming up to you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think that maybe the most idiotic one was one it wasn't really a question it was like a, an accusation that we left belgium with 10 people and then in episode seven we decided who the mole is and we did a reshoot with them of uh, possible sabotages during the rest of the the past uh two weeks uh so basically that we decide the mole uh when we're almost finished shooting which is of course complete and utter crap because that would be <laughs> That would be well. That would be stupid because you cannot uh, you cannot write what people are going to do. So you need to have some some elements to be to to in your screenplay and some things you know you're going to have to shoot uh, to to tell your story afterwards. So people and and this guy genuinely believed that we we uh, we fucked with everybody's mind and we just took the best guy that we uh, that we could find in episode seven and told him you're the mole. Act surprised. Uh, or act uh, um, proud um, without even mentioning how do you send people home if you have no so it was so out there but the guy was convinced and I have not convinced him that this is crap but you know that's probably the most bizarre thing I've ever been uh, hearing so just like alternate ending just whatever you feel like and that's who the mole is <laughs> why in the hell would we do that because these people will talk afterwards if you do that your secret's not going to be kept for very long i can assure you that so no no way in hell we leave with one mole we play we never 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 uh take i mean the these test these test results are kept 
uh, and are are kept. Yeah, you know, they're locked away, and we can we we have to be able to prove at each elimination round this time he or she was the worst or he or she was the slowest, which is why they exited the game. It's about a lot of money, and if anyone's really pissed off about it and tries to uh, pry at answers, then you have to be ready for it. You have to be fair. You have to, you know, to play by the rules. So that's what we do. In the American version, they had an instant where um, where one contestant got so paranoid about and really deep into trying to figure out who the mole was that he genuinely believed that there might be two moles within the game. He did not last very long. No, I guess so. No, and uh, while that is something that you could you know, play around with because it's not against the rules. Having no mo uh, until the seventh episode is like, it's absurd. I mean, I, I don't know why I'm even still speaking about that because it's it's just so out there. I'm guessing at the reunion you will reveal who got the equal lowest score in the first test. Yes, you're guessing correctly. Out of interest, what would happen if the mole fell ill or injured themselves? Uh, we're insured. Uh, so, so the season would just be cancelled, basically. Yeah, it's yeah, basically yes, because you have to to you have to have a mole that is prepped, and you cannot just uh, find another person. Uh, so no, we're very heavily insured with that, and the mole and I uh, are uh, super insured. In if one of us, uh, you know, falls ill or or gets injured, then uh, it's pretty much cancelled. It depends. I mean, if I have the flu. I guess we could work something out, but if if you know someone breaks his back, yeah, pretty much finished. Or or uh, or if the mole's uh, parents die, I don't know. I'm I'm just making this up. Then I guess the season is finished. Yeah, and and rightly so. Thankfully, it has never happened that I know of oh, that no. anyone's got injured or anything. The the closest we've come is there was someone who had to quit via injury in um, in one of the Dutch seasons, but thankfully she wasn't the mole. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I'm um, holding, I mean, holding on to wood to that uh, that never would happen. Yeah. They've had the mole in the very first American season they did a long time ago. The mole ended up uh, fainting during one of the tasks, and people thought that she just did it on purpose. But no, she uh, genuinely yeah. fainted. Well, that's well, okay. But if you could spin it around and have a story to tell about it, and and make it a, a plot line. Like, did the mole faint on purpose, or or what? Then would then that be it's... a question on the quiz? <laughs> no, because there's no there's no way of knowing that. But uh, you know, in the first season, Thibaut actually fainted when they were hung up on the bridge, and uh, oh, and yeah. everyone thought I was very suspicious. Yeah. So these things happen, and then you need to be able to react to it very swiftly and to try to make a uh, an interesting turn of events out of it. So yeah, one final question: Is there anything you can tell us about the finale or the reunion? Uh, well, the reunion we're shooting tomorrow, but we've been watching the bits that we've been editing to show the contestants, and they are really, really nice and and fun to watch. And I'm very, I think it, it's a it's a it's a daring thing to say, but I think it will be the best ninth episode of the three series. I think it's the one in which of which we're maybe the proudest because it's very it fits and. Um, and it's fun, and it's and you get a lot of answers, and uh, so it's it, it will be very nice. Of course, we're shooting the biggest part tomorrow with the reunion. As to the finale, there's a, a very there is also a very very um, funny moment with one of the three uh, doing a task uh, in which I still wet my pants when I look at it for the twentieth time. It's a very really fun moment, and it's right up until the last second. It's very 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 tense and very. Um, of course, once we announce the winner, 
well, he's not the mole, but then there's two suspects left. And I think a lot of people will be torn between these two. And so the tension will be with us uh, right uh, up to the last second. And that's something I'm very proud of. Was it a close final test? I cannot really comment without giving away too much, no. So, uh, but all of that, all of that, I think that, that we will be explaining in the last episode. So you will get these answers, but you just have to have a little more patience. I don't do patience. So, yeah. I don't do either, but I know everything, so I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but watch it and try not to get spoiled. Try not to go on, uh, on my Instagram or anything. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I, accident- I completely forgot that you guys were wearing last Sunday night and went on Instagram. The very first post was you with, the mole is a man. I'm like, for fuck's sake. Yeah, and I'm very unapologetic about it because it's like a football game. Once it's played and it's out there, you know, you're not going to wait to announce the World Cup winner. It's especially ironic given that the main Facebook group that we admin for The Amazing Race has the rule that as soon as it's aired, it's not a spoiler. And I'm sat there just going, for God's sake, I've just got spoiled. I can't even complain about it. I know. So that might happen again if you're not, uh, if you're not uh, careful. I will be avoiding Instagram. It's, yes, do say it. So the perils of following you. Yes, I know. I'm sorry about that. Well, no, I'm not. But, you know, we try. I know it's, it's, it's hard for you guys, but, but here in Belgium, we try to get people to watch it at the time it's aired because it's of course a program that you should be watching uh live and uh in company and discussing it and so to us there's no point of watching it the day after because all the newspaper it will have spoiled of course everything which has, which has happened so we we think of it as a champions league football game once it's out there once the result is known there's no point uh shutting up about it I completely agree with certain shows over here, especially Hunted. Hunted is a great show to watch live and watch on Twitter and see people's reactions. Yeah, of course. That is half of the fun. Of course it is, yeah. To us as well, once it's airing, we're... Uh, you know, we're on Twitter seeing what jokes are being made and what suspicions are are, are being cast, and that's that's too, that's very very fun to follow. Absolutely. Sometimes because you see people getting so near to the truth without knowing it often. Uh, but being spot on with their theories, uh, or, or, or uh, we have Café de Mol afterwards, which in which they discuss what just has happened. There have been instances when, you know, guests or tweets that were featured on the show have been spot on, and that's a very special moment for us. But I'm I'm glad that they were there because you know that's that's the point. Yeah, it proves a point. Are, are the tweets on Café de Mol deliberately like picked? As in, sometimes you deliberately just sneak one in that's spot on just to no, no, sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. No, because genuinely, it's, it's another... Uh, uh, the, the, the people that make Café de Mol have nothing to do with us. So they don't know uh, anything more than you and... Uh, well, not than me, but, but they are just regular viewers and because that's the spirit in which the show should be made. But even so, even so we do not give them any input uh, beforehand or we do not tell them what tweets to use or not to use. Um, and sometimes it's complete and utter, utter rubbish most of the time. Sometimes it's it's spot on, and and you know that's I'm I'm glad it is because you need to be able to figure it out. So uh, I'm glad that they found some some correct uh, theories and some some uh, correct suspicions. So you're not going to be drawing attention to the correct tweets on the reunion? No, no, no. I don't think no, no. That would be would be weird to have a Twitter wall. Uh, also, we have a lot of other things to show and to tell, and so we won't have time to go into social media at the reunion uh, show. Is, is there a particular reason why none of the contestants are on Twitter? Is that they're told not to be? Or... Of course, yeah. Yeah, I thought as much. Yeah, no, of course, their social media are being shut uh, down. 
uh, well, not shut down, but, but they're closed. So you cannot uh, easily follow them or uh, uh, mainly through the uh, shooting period. Uh, because uh, a while back in, in, in Holland, someone had figured out the social media uh, behavior of the candidates. And they had said, well, there are only three that have been silent for three weeks. All the other ones have begun tweeting again after two days or five days or seven days. And he managed to predict correctly the finalists. Uh, based just solely upon that, so that's a danger in uh, that we're trying to uh, to avoid by, you know, by closing all of their accounts, not taking them over, but you know, making them shut so that they are private accounts. Yeah, making them stay silent, basically. Yes, absolutely. But but you know, it's it's it sounds a lot harder than this to the most most of these contestants. It's it's a badge of honor to be silent about it. They they absolutely love it. So in other words, Jill demands your silence demands your silence he does that all the time i mean uh yeah well i i I've, i i i ask politely that sounds very undemanding mm-hmm. <laughs> that's actually interesting because with the, a lot of the american reality shows they they like there's contestants who create uh twitter accounts or facebook pages just because they're on these shows and producers encourage the fans to have a direct yeah. line to all the contestants while it's airing so it's interesting that you guys choose to it, do it the exact opposite it wouldn't work because you don't want your your candidates to have a, a direct line. We have specific dealings with the press as well that they are not to uh, to approach any candidates as long as they're in the game, uh, and that any contacts uh, during the uh, the uh, uh, airing period has to go through the press services of the station uh, I work for the uh, the channel. So that that's all of that is very heavily uh, looked at. Yeah, right. I think we have exhausted all of our questions so we will let you go then thanks for your time well thank you it's been been a pleasure to speak to you yeah been a lot of fun as i said on the the recap last week it's making our fanboy dreams come true so (laughs) well i'm glad i'm uh i'm able to make any any guy's dream come true i mean it's a new thing for me but (laughs) it was nice it was nice to chat uh, to chat to you guys and uh and uh we do appreciate that uh that you watch it and that you review it and that you podcast about it it's real nice Give everyone our love. We will. Tell whoever the mole is that I hate them for misleading me. I will, I will tell them. I will demand silence and then tell them uh, that uh, Michael hates their guts for yes. invading his life. All right. <laughs> Victory. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Jill. Thanks, you guys. Have a nice time. See you later. Bye-bye. See ya. Well, that was awesome. <laughs> Over two hours with the host of Belgian Mole. So, thank you to Gilles for being so generous with his time. Thank you for for listening. And we will be back next week to dissect the finale and reveal how wrong we probably were, let's be honest. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, RLTV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, on our Insta, RTV Warriors as well, or on Twitter pages, MJ Harmstone for me, and LogSuperQuacky for Logan. See you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next deflavoring. By the way, Michael, we need to make our official prediction. Got a tag. Oh, yeah, we do. Throw this in there. Who's the winner? Who's the mole? Who's the final loser? Oh, don't ask me this question because I'm so confused. Hey, I just lost my main suspect since round one at final four. I'm just trying to think of what subtle hints Gilles may have dropped. Um, I think Peter's the mole, Baha's the winner. Thinking Peter's the mole and Lloyd's the winner. And watch it be Baha's the mole. And Peter's uh, the winner. And Peter's the winner, yeah. Just to, <laughs> just to really confuse us. <laughs> yeah. So I keep thinking, Lloyd or Baja must be the mole. And I've, 
had Lloyd initially at the top of my suspect list this morning, and I'm kind of discounted him out just based on uh, some his sabotages were a bit more blatant. So if I had an order of who I thought the mole was, it would be Peter number one, then Baja number two, and then Lloyd just not be suspected at all. I just can't shake the backlog clue. Like, I know I'm probably just tunnel visied and reading into it a bit too much, but I just can't shake the the idea that Lloyd might be the mole. Anyway, see you next week.